Dear Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the privilege to be among the living today. Praise, glory, honor, and blessings be unto your holy name, dear Lord. Forgive us our sins, Lord, and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Give us the gift of your Holy Spirit, dear Lord. I pray, Father, that you grant us the gift of your Spirit through your word, that we may be lifted up to heavenly places. Put your words in my mouth, dear Lord, and may the words that are spoken enrich and bless everyone who would listen. Thank you, Lord, for hearing, and thank you for answering my prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, March 29 Complaining Again Exodus 16, reading from verse 1 to 21 And they took their journey from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month, after they are departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For, we have, for you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much they gather as much as they gather daily. Verse 11 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, Behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as a hoar frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded, Gather it every man according to his eating. And Uma, every man, according to the number of persons, take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more and some less. Exodus chapter 16, from verse 1 to 18. Many look back to the Israelites and marvel at their unbelief and murmuring feeling that they themselves would not have been so ungrateful. But when their faith is tested, even by little trials, they manifest no more faith or patience than did ancient Israel. God had promised to be their God, 
to take them to himself as a people and to lead them to a large and good land. But they were ready to faint at every obstacle encountered in the way to that land. They forgot their bitter service in Egypt. They forgot the goodness and power of God displayed in their behalf in the deliverance from bondage. They forgot how their children had been spared when the destroying angel slew all the firstborn of Egypt. They forgot the grand exhibition of divine power at the Red Sea. They forgot that while they had crossed safely in the path, that had been opened for them, the armies of their enemies attempting to follow them had been overwhelmed by the waters of the sea. They saw and felt only their present inconveniences and trials, and instead of saying, God has done great things for us, whereas we were slaves, he is making of us a great nation, they talked of the hardness of the way and wondered when their weary pilgrimage would end. The history of the wilderness life of Israel was chronicled for the benefit of the Israel of God to the close of time. The record of God's dealing with the wanderers of the desert in all their marchings to and fro, in their exposure to hunger, thirst and weariness, and in the striking manifestations of his power for their relief, is fraught with warning and instruction for his people in all ages. The varied experience of the Hebrews was a school of preparation for their promised home in Canaan. God would have his people in these days review with a humble heart and teachable spirit the trials through which ancient Israel passed that they may be instructed in their preparation for the heavenly Canaan. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Complaining Again. Now the children of Israel, having rejoiced at being set free from the Egyptians, are on their journey. They have come out of Egypt, but they are not yet in Canaan. It is wanting to come out of Egypt but it is another thing to enter into Canaan. There is a time between which we must have our pilgrimage. The Israelites had their pilgrimage as they walked from Egypt to Canaan. And at this time, they were supposed to be in a school, being trained by God. God was supposed to prepare them so that they would be worthy of entering Canaan. And what does this represent for us? Maybe you have heard of the Lord Jesus and you've given yourself to him you've renounced your sins and you have been set free but then your journey has just begun it has not come to an end but it has just begun we still have a life in which to live here there are many things we must perfect in our character as we were looking at the devotion two days ago we saw how it takes effort for us to overcome There must be time, there must be toil, patience, perseverance, and sacrifices to make. There are traits of character in ourselves that the Lord would not have us to retain while entering into his kingdom. So also for the children of Israel, their characters were not perfect. And the Lord was trying to use different experiences in the wilderness to prepare them to be worthy to enter into Canaan. Like I said, Canaan is the representative of 
heaven you know in canaan is where you have jerusalem that is the city of god the city of peace jerusalem the true jerusalem is in heaven god was using the hebrew wilderness wanderings the wanderings of the children of israel as a type of our own journey when we come out of sin into righteousness we have already seen that it is only through the blood of the lamb that we can be saved but having accepted jesus we have a journey many people on this journey fall along the wayside some do not get to the end as we will see for the israelites only two of them finally made it into canaan the rest of the adults that were among them they lost including moses he didn't enter into canaan not even aaron and miriam the lord is teaching us a lesson of the strictness the severity of his test for us that only those who are worthy to enter his kingdom will enter and he is taking us through experiences today to test us to see what is in our heart whether we are re responsible enough or we will allow the situations he brings to us to develop the characters that he wants to see in us as for the children of israel coming out of egypt they encountered a trouble and the trouble was first of all there was no water there was no water and we didn't read that but that's in exodus 15 Reading from verse 22 down to 24, you see what happened there that there was no water. In verse 24, it says, And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And Moses cried to God, and God showed him a tree, and he cast that uh, tree into the waters, and the water was made sweet, and they were able to drink that water. Then later on, it was hunger. But we need to understand the setting. It's very easy to look back at these people. That, like we read, many look back to the Israelites and marvel at their unbelief and murmuring feeling that they themselves would not have been so ungrateful but when their faith is tested even by little trials they manifest no more faith or patience than did ancient israel end of quote that's conflict of courage page conflict and courage page 94 paragraph 2. this stage in israel's wonders is the stage where we are going through also and we should understand the setting of the people of Israel at this time. In order for us to understand what was really going on, we need to see clearly what was happening to the children of Israel. They had been two months on this journey, walking on foot. Reading now from Patriarchs and Prophet, page 292, we read there, it says, When they had been a month absent from Egypt, they made their first encampment in the wilderness, their store of provisions had now begun to, fo to fail. There was scanty herbage in the wilderness, and their flocks were diminishing. How was food to be supplied for these, these vast multitudes? Doubts filled their hearts, and again they murmured. Even the rulers and elders of the people joined in complaining against the leaders of God's appointment. Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For, we ha for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They had not as yet suffered from hunger. Their present wants were supplied, but they feared for the future. They could not understand how these vast multitudes were to subsist in their travels through the wilderness and in imagination they saw their child their children famishing the lord permitted difficulties to surround them and their supply of food to be cut short that their hearts might turn to him who had hitherto been their deliverer if in their want they would call upon him he would still grant them manifest tokens of his love and care 
he had promised that if they would obey his commandments, no disease should come upon them. And it was sinful unbelief on their part to anticipate that they or their children might die of hunger. End of quote. To properly understand what was going on here, the multitudes, what were they about? Let's read it in Exodus 12. After the Lord delivered them in exodus 12 reading from verse 36 it says and the lord gave the people favor in the sight of the egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required and they spoiled the egyptians verse 37 says and the children of israel journeyed from Ramesses to sukkot about six hundred thousand on foot that were men beside children and a mixed multitude went up also with them and flocks and herds even very much cattle so 600,000 men and it's always the case that women are always more than men in the world I mean more than two times so you could be expecting about 1.2 million women and then the children are more than women themselves so when you add that up with the mixed multitude there were easily over 3 million people that were in this group making the journey to Canaan but in this journey we read something in verse 38 of Exodus 12 that there was something called a mixed multitude. What does this mean? Patriarchs and Prophets, page 281, paragraph 2, it says, In this multitude were not only those who were actuated by faith in the God of Israel, but also a far greater number who desired only to escape from the plagues or who followed in the wake of the moving multitudes merely from excitement and curiosity this class were ever a hindrance and a snare to Israel. This is very important. End of quote. This mixed multitude is very important to take note of. You have begun your journey. You have probably come out of Babylon and left the false system of worship. Now you want to do right and you are doing you you are trying your best to walk in the right way but what is your reason for living? It's either you are living out of love or you are motivated by other reasons is it possible that you are part of that mixed multitude some have come out of their churches into a church where they believe that this is the true church but even within those churches we have ministries some people feel oh this ministry i am in this ministry and we are pure but do you know that you can have your own mixed multitude even in your personal ministry is it possible that there is a complaining Israelite in you? Or are you among those who are the mixed multitude, who are moved by fear or just out of curiosity and that's why you left Egypt? You see, there are only two categories of people, those who are treated by love and those who are treated by other motives, either curiosity or fear. How does one who is treated by love behave? And how does one who is moved out of curiosity and fear, how do they behave? So now reading from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 293, it says, God had promised to be their God, to take them to himself as a people and to lead them to a large and good land. But they were ready to faint. So this is how a person who is moved by fear or curiosity behaves. They are ready to faint at every obstacle encountered in the way to that land. That's one. In a marvelous manner, he had brought them out of their bondage in Egypt, that he might elevate and ennoble them and make them a praise in the earth. But it was necessary for them to encounter difficulties and to endure privations. God was bringing them from a state of degradation 
and fitting them to occupy an honorable place among the nations and to receive important and sacred trusts had they possessed faith in him in view of all that he had wrought for them they would cheerfully have borne inconvenience so this is how one who is actuated by faith and love behaves they would cheerfully have borne inconvenience privation and even real suffering but they were unwilling to trust the lord any further than they could witness the continual evidences of his power that is the one who is not actuated by love they forgot so this is this is the behavior if you are always complaining and murmuring because of the hardships that you pass through while following the lord then there's no love in your mind for god here this it says they forgot their bitter service in egypt they forgot the goodness and power of god displayed in their behalf in their deliverance from bondage they forgot how their children had been spared when the destroying angels slew all the firstborn of egypt they forgot the grand exhibition of the divine power at the red sea they forgot that while they had crossed safely in the path that had been opened for them the armies of their enemies attempting to follow them had been overwhelmed by the waters of the sea they saw and felt only their present inconveniences and trials and instead of saying god has done great things for us whereas we were slaves he is making of us a great nation they talked of the hardness of the way are you talking of the hardness of the way they talked of the hardness of the way and wondered when their weary pilgrimage will end hmm this all this we know is written for our learning and the lord would have us understand that these obstacles that he places in our way are to build faith in us it is not only moses who should be able to know how to pray for god to do things for him and for the children of israel god wanted each individual to learn to trust in him and depend on him they were supposed to pray to god and trust him and not to be talking about the hardship in the way but that was what they did going on in the reading it says the obstacles they encounter instead of leading them to seek help from god the only source of strength separate them from him because they are waking unrest and repining wow so as we go on our journey we too may face real hardship and suffering and what is this suffering from suffering because you are doing the right thing suffering because you have come out of babylon suffering because like abraham you have left babylon what the children of israel passed through here is not a new thing abraham passed through it when he left babylon and came out crossed the jordan crossed the euphrates and went to canaan when he got there there was famine there was no food so it's not a new thing these people were facing what their father abraham faced they would have remembered the lesson from Abraham's life. Abraham did not complain. He simply trusted in God and went about his duty. He bore the suffering patiently. God brought that suffering to Abraham to test him. And when he got to Canaan, he did not begin to complain and say, Oh Lord, I thought you said there is a land of milk and honey here. You would, Where is it all now? I don't have food. But one thing Abraham did not do is talk about going back to Egypt. One thing Abraham did not do is show a mistrust in God by talking about the hardness of the way. So perhaps because of what you have decided to do in obedience to God's word, you do not have a job. Or 
because of that you lose your friends or because of that your family is treating you in cruelty and you are lonely your friends have left you even your family members don't want to talk to you you are lonely this is the hardship this is the suffering that we pass through what are we to do with it are we to miss egypt and say oh i want to go back to egypt i wish i had died while having friends i'd rather die while having food i'd rather die while having a job it would have been better for me to be eating at least know that I'm, i didn't die of hunger because that's what these people were saying it's better for me to have been in the flesh pot of egypt and die there than to die of hunger like esau they were saying to themselves what good does this journey of going to Canaan do to me seeing that I die of hunger? The same response of Esau is what they were given. But what response are you giving? Are you murmuring and complaining? Whatever the Lord has been pleased to allow you to suffer, bear it patiently. We are told in the book of Philippians. You see, it has always been the case of God's people to suffer. First of all, I will say 2 Timothy 3 verse 12. We are told there that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It is what you should expect. In Philippians 1 verse 29, we are told, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. We, in these days, some of us do not, has not even passed through what the children of Israel passed through, and yet we are complaining. But like I said, it only shows whether we are a part of the mixed multitude or whether we are the true Israelite. Because the mixed multitude, they're just coming out of curiosity and out of fear. The faith is not there. The love is not there. And even if you come out with faith and love, you have people around you that are like the mixed multitude that will come to be advising you and say, can you see this journey? Look at the decisions we've made. Look at how we are suffering. Look at how we look. We are famished because of the food we are eating. This health reform, what good is it doing to me? This dress reform, what good is it doing to me? I think it is because of it that I have not been able to get a husband. This whole being churchous, religious, trying to be so conservative and following the word of God to the letter. What good has it done to me? Look at how farmished I am looking. Nobody will employ me. Why? They want me to work on the Sabbath, but I cannot work. Now I'm in poverty. Now I'm sick. Now I'm suffering. Unto you, it is given not only to believe in Christ Jesus, but also to suffer for him. And if we are not ready to suffer for Christ, then we cannot wear the crown of righteousness for there is no crown for those who are not really ready to carry a cross you must first of all carry your cross and exchange it someday like you, you like we usually sing for a crown how can you expect to enter into canaan and not get your cross that cross is what will help you depend on god the children of israel had not learned that faith and love and through this experience they could have had two reactions either you complain we must not complain. We must not murmur. It's our choice how we react to different situations. It's all our choice. Saying you must complain is a lie. You can either choose to complain or you can choose at that moment to trust in God and remember the goodness of God. That was what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to remember how good the Lord had been to them. 
They were at this time supposed to recount the blessings of God. So the lesson is for us. We are going to pass through hardships. There are going to be times of trouble. There are going to be days of darkness, deep darkness, while we walk with the Lord in such times. Let us not talk of the hardness of the way. The Lord wants to bring us to a greater nearness to Him. Do you remember that last time when you didn't have a job? How you were dependent on God and praying for it? Do you remember that time when it looked as if they wanted to sack you and you were praying that the Lord should protect you? Do you remember when it was that you needed some help from God? If you don't have troubles, many of us forget God. We are so self-confident and self-dependent and we forget God and God permits these things to come to us to develop our faith. He allows the difficulty and the hardship to help us to depend on Him. Talking about self-confidence and and the self-distrust. Do you remember when you were learning to drive a car? How you would be very careful to pray before driving so that you don't get accidents. But when self-confidence comes and we forget to pray, we think, oh, I've learned it. I don't need help. And in any other job we do, when we are doing it for the first time, we see our need and then we are praying to the Lord. But then, when the Lord has helped us, we forget Him. That's how the children of Israel forgot so many things the Lord has done for them. So that when they met hardship, instead of it leading them to pray and depend on God, they complained. Let us learn not to complain. Rather, let us learn to exercise faith and love. Love conquers everything. If we love God, none of these things can separate us from His love. Romans 8, reading from verse 32, will remind us, He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? It's a question. Is it, not, is it possible that somebody who has given you the best of gifts will then, in the time of hardship, neglect you? Where he has given you the best gift. He will give you all things just for you to trust in him. In verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or farming, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you love the Lord? nothing should separate you from him if you don't love god it's a prayer of mine and i should i think you should also join me in making this prayer saying lord please shed your love abroad in my heart if you do not love god you will be like the mixed multitude you will never make it into canaan many people have different motives for coming out of babylon for coming out of egypt they don't see their need they don't see their sinfulness and their need of christ they're just coming because they've heard of heaven they want to go to heaven i want to is going to heaven is it the reason for coming out of babylon is it the reason for doing right is it the reason for believing in jesus i know that many people believe oh why if they ask why are you why are you doing right oh i want to go to heaven I want to go to heaven. I tell you, when hardship comes, when trial comes, fear, curiosity, and selfishness, desire for heaven and all of that, it will not hold you. When you are in trouble, that desire for heaven will not keep you. Only love that is stronger than death can help you. There's only that faith that works by love can keep you through this journey from the beginning to the end. 
If it is just, oh, they have told you about hellfire and they have told you that the Lord is coming to destroy heaven and, and, and this whole earth and everybody who doesn't serve him is going to die. And then because of that, you are desperately trying to do the right things. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. My brothers and sisters, you will be tested and it will be found that fear is not a good motive. You will give up. Fear won't hold you. We need to have a greater motivation and that is love. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary for my sins. Even if there was no heaven promised to me, I deserve to give him my loyalty. He deserves my loyalty. He deserves my fidelity. Even if there was no heaven, even if there was no Canaan, the Lord has done great things for me on this earth. And it is only honorable and dignifying on my part to do some reciprocity for the good things that he has done for me and be faithful to him that not even the threat of death or the threat of evil angels or the threat of principalities and powers whatever it is whether it is hunger or tribulation or persecution or famine or lack of clothing nakedness or peril troubles that come and people are threatening you because of the right thing or sword maybe your husband is threatening to leave you or your wife is threatening to leave you because of your faith those are the difficulties this hunger that they pass through in the wilderness is that difficulty you are also passing through would you go back to egypt are you reminiscing of those days of oh those days when i used to eat this and that now i'm following the lord i can't eat it again those days when me and my wife were in good terms but now we are no longer in good terms i miss her oh you want to go back to egypt is your love for man greater than your love for god our love for god should be greater than our love for man and that's why the lord sent the manna to sustain them what did this manna represent in the book of john 6 reading from verse 32 jesus explained what this manna represents because this manna it came from this time they began their journey and it only stopped falling once they entered into canaan representing to us that the lord will sustain us from the beginning of our journey till the end of our journey but what did that manna represent that manna represented jesus jesus himself said in the book of john chapter 6 verse 32 then jesus said unto them verily verily i say unto you moses gave you not that bread from heaven but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Verse 48, he makes it clear now. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Of course, the people got hysterical how are you telling us eat your flesh but jesus explained to them in verse 63 of john 6 it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profited nothing the words that i speak to you they are spirit and they are life reading patriarchs and prophet page 297 paragraph 2 he says the manna falling from heaven for the sustenance of israel was a type of him who came from god to give life to the world that's end of quote so it represented jesus so jesus they were supposed to eat jesus that's the manna now which represented jesus eat jesus from the beginning of their journey till the end and take note that they were supposed to take only a particular portion every day they were not supposed to gather it up and then they won't go out to gather the next day if they gather it up and they don't uh, they gather more than is necessary it will breed worms and it will be stinking so you cannot take more than is necessary for a day you must go every day to get the manna 
representing how we must have a devotional life. We must every day depend on Jesus. They depended on the manna every day, every morning. You must wake every morning, go out to the to the to the wilderness of your own solitude and look for Jesus every morning. They ran every morning to look for manna. We must go every morning, look for Jesus and eat his flesh. That is to study the Bible and drink his blood. That is to internalize the things that you have learned and put it into practice because it is only that that will give you strength for the labor of the day. It was this manna that sustained them. That is, the manna is what gave them strength for the journey. From the beginning till the end, the manna sustained them. You cannot do anything without Christ. John 15, reading from verse 4, I am the vine, you are the branches. That's Jesus talking of himself now. I am the vine, you are the branches. Then in verse 5, he says, Without me, you can do nothing. That is why the Lord is teaching us the lesson of dependence on him on a daily basis. Do not miss your devotion for anything. Don't miss your devotion for anything. You need Jesus every day. If not, you will not have strength for the labor to go on your journey. And there was another lesson that the Lord wanted to teach them. And this is the lesson of the Sabbath. Because the Lord made it very clear to them that on the sixth day, that they are to gather two times what they usually gather. Because he's not going to rain for them manna on the seventh day. Reading from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 295, it says, On the sixth day, the people gathered two omas for every person. The rulers hastened to acquaint Moses with what had been done. His answer was, This is that which the Lord had said. Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today, and seethe that which you will seethe. And that which remaineth over, lay up for you to be kept until the morning. They did so, and found that it remained unchanged. Normally before... End of quote. Normally before, when they keep it till the next day, worms will come out. But when they take two times on Friday and keep it till the next morning on the Sabbath, it doesn't spoil. There's no worms. There the Lord was teaching them a lesson. I'll continue the reading now. It says, And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. God requires that his holy day be as sacredly observed now as in the time of Israel. The command given to the Hebrews should be regarded by all Christians. Let me stop first. Some people think that the Sabbath belongs to the Jews or to some other denomination of churches that choose to keep the Sabbath. Where were those denominations when the Lord created the heavens and the earth? The Sabbath does not belong to any Sabbath-keeping church. The Sabbath belongs to God. And everyone who wants to follow the Lord, as far as you say you are following the Lord, you should take this Sabbath day as a token of God's deliverance from sin for yourself and also a token of remembering Him as your Creator. That is the way you remember God as creator. There is no command that shows that you are recognizing God as creator of heaven and earth. There is no command that shows that you are recognizing him as redeemer from your sins except the Sabbath commandment. And it was not given to them just like some people say at Mount Sinai. This we are reading now is in Exodus 16. Before God even appeared on Sinai. Let me continue the reading there. It says, The command given to the Hebrews should be regarded by all Christians as an injunction from Jehovah to them. 
the day before the Sabbath should be made a day of preparation, that everything may be in readiness for its sacred hours. In no case should our own business be allowed to encroach upon holy time. God has directed that the sick and suffering be cared for. The labor required to make them comfortable is a work of mercy and no violation of the Sabbath. But all unnecessary work should be avoided. Many carelessly put off till the beginning of the Sabbath little things that they might have done on the day of preparation. This should not be. Work that is neglected until the beginning of the Sabbath should remain undone until it is past. This course might help the memory of, do, of these thoughtless ones and make them careful to do their own work on the six working days. So, for those who are already keeping the Sabbath, who claim to be keeping it, are you really keeping the Sabbath? The Lord did not rain manna for the children of Israel on Sabbath, showing you that He Himself is observing the Sabbath. No work. Some people, they cook on Sabbath. They do a lot of work on Sabbath. You are not to do that. All there is something called preparation and we are to make all necessary preparations. Clean your shoes, iron your clothes, get it ready, even shave. All that is necessary to be done before should be done. And if it has not been done, leave it till after the Sabbath and make sure that that day is spent in communion with God. Six days the Lord has given to ourselves and that is fair enough and it is very cruel for us to take the Lord's day and appropriate it to our own use. The Sabbath is to be strictly guarded as holy time and to be used for God's own work alone. So, we have learnt these lessons. Be encouraged that when you are passing through hardship and difficulty on account of your obedience to God, don't let anything separate you from the love of Christ. Not even death. You may be at the point of death. Don't say, I want to go back to Egypt. You may be at, in a terrible illness and weary and in poverty. We must learn to suffer for Christ's sake. In such times, instead of complaining and repining and talking of the hardness of the way and how difficult it has been for us, let us rather recount the goodness of God and the Lord will sustain us. And it is better for us so that we learn to depend on, on God at all times. Because sometimes when we forget God, He brings these things to us so that we will remember Him. And we will see that in subsequent devotions. Suffice to say for today, remember to trust in the Lord. And also remember to keep the Sabbath holy. Because the Lord is the one who instituted it. Like I said, this we are reading now is even before the Lord came in Sinai and gave them the Ten Commandments. So the argument that the Sabbath was given to the Jews is not true. Before God even spoke the commandments to them, they already had a Sabbath that they were observing. So it's not something that was just instituted on that day that the Lord gave them the Ten Commandments. That's not so. That's not so. And even till now, God expects that we should honor Him as Creator and Redeemer by keeping holy the Sabbath day. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for the lessons you have taught us from your word now. We pray, please open our minds to understand. Is there something that has not been properly said? Lord, please may your spirit give to those who are listening the proper understanding of these things. I pray, Father, that you help us in our hardships. There are some who are passing through serious troubles, long hardship because of obedience to you. Lord, shed your love abroad in all our hearts that by love and faith, we will not murmur, 
we will not complain forgive us lord there have been times when we have murmured and complained because of our lot because of the losses we have looked at that we have incurred and we have talked about the hardness of the way instead of the goodness of the lord and all the things you have done for us and the plan that you have for us to bring us to heavenly places to be in your heavenly kingdom and rejoice in it forgive us for these things lord and help us from henceforth that instead of complaining we will talk about the kingdom of god and how the lord is planning great things for us help us lord not to see the things that we are losing as losses at all but rather help us to count them as gain because we have gained christ help us lord not like to be like the children of israel or like esau who would say i'll rather die while eating from the flesh pots than die of hunger because i am following the lord please lord help us to have a different outlook to things glory be unto your name thank you for hearing and answering our prayers in jesus name i've prayed amen